Hey, this is Jeff. Grab yourself a cup of coffee and join us at the table as we talk to another great leader about faith, church, and leadership. Welcome to the Leadership Drip. Rob, welcome back to the Leadership Drip. It is drippy. It's drippy. I'm I got my coffee. coffee. You got coffee? I got yeah, coffee. Got, got coffee. A couple of weeks ago, I made a confession on the air that we that I personally have a holy trinity of podcasters. When we had our good friend Allie Worthington on the air, yep. do you remember who else was on that, that trending? Oh, I sure do. I sure do. I think there were two people. Two, 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 two crushing it female, crushing podcasters. it female podcasters. And One of which is Miss Jamie, Jamie Ivy, who is on the show today with wow. her impeccable husband Aaron. Yeah. To finish the Trinity is Annie F. Downs. It's Allie. Okay. I was going to ask and Annie. <laughs> so, I'm happy to be with Annie and Allie any day. So you're like a top baseball card, okay? So yeah, we're just yeah. collecting. And, yeah, yeah. We are trading you know, these. These are going trading. on the wall these are going in the, the hard wall, plastic so, yeah. thing. <laughs> Love it. No bubble gum in the pack. Like, what if there were podcaster trading cards? That'd be so funny. And like I, every podcast you went on, you got a card you could put on the wall. Yeah. I, I feel like Brilliant. you or Annie would be the ones to create that. Like yeah. that's... <laughs> And I'm going to call Annie when we're done. We're going to, we're going to have some podcasting trading cards. <laughs> I don't, we would be the comments. Like Rob and oh, yeah, I would be the like, ones like, I'm going to throw them in yeah. to help get the deal done. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, let's, let's get a little bio. So yeah, Aaron sure. is a worship pastor at Austin Stone Church. Jamie is an author, speaker, and I call her a podcast queen of the happy hour with mm-hmm. Jamie Ivey. They co-host a podcast together called The Other Side, which I would encourage when you're done listening to our show, because listen to our show first. Listen to the other side. They have some incredibly hard hitting and, and challenging conversations there. Yeah. And we are just blessed to have them on the show today. So welcome to the show, guys. Thank you guys so Thank much. You. It's an honor. So now that all the formalities are out of the way, let's talk about important things. On both your bios, you are fans of Tex Mex. Yes. Tell us yes. about that down there in Texas. Well, we're both from Texas. And we both love food. Um, so Tex Mex is it's the it's the best category of food on the planet. And Austin is in no shortage of great Tex-Mex. And if you don't live in Texas, you don't know what Tex-Mex is. Even if there's a Tex-Mex place, quote unquote, in your city, if you're outside of Texas, it's not real and it's not good. That's how I feel about California tacos. Unless you're in California, you don't really know about good California tacos, street tacos. It's so true. It's so true. And people try to fake it, but you can't fake Tex-Mex. Yeah, you can. can't fake so Tex-Mex. We have to go to Texas to get Tex-Mex. So, so, so what, what you're saying is <laughs> Trace Romano's where we eat lunch like three times a week is not <laughs> no. Tex-Mex, Rob? No, uh-uh, it's not. It's, <laughs> it's okay. That's all right. Then I don't love Tex-Mex. Had, really. I just love, love Trace Romano's. I just, I just love food. That's the have you ever had real Tex-Mex like here? I have, yes. I, I've never been to Texas. Again, like, I, oh, You've man. never invited me. The Holy what? Land. <laughs> the greatest oh adventure of my life happened in Texas. Oh, boy. I got caught about 90 miles outside of El Paso in West Texas. Broken There's down. Nothing there. There's nothing there, man. Yeah. That's, that's a good story. With 12 teenagers and a guy who didn't speak English whose name was Sippy. And it was an adventure that lasted two days in a rancid motel on the side of the interstate somewhere on the 10 
And uh, it was me and 12 teenagers locked in a room till Sippy fixed our van. It was amazing. This sounds, wow. This sounds like you're pitching a movie script right yeah, here. Oh. So, so what's funny is, so oh, we, yeah. we just had Sammy Rodriguez on a couple weeks ago who does movies and like he was willing to cast Rob in a movie. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, yeah. I it can was, see why. That, I, totally I see the script see right now. Yeah. It's going to come out. So this is this next, next, next pastor Sammy Rodriguez movie be Rob's adventure with Sippy. Adventures apparently. with Sippy. I'm going to so maybe it's a whole new show. Tex-Mex when you were 90 miles west of. Oh, I love Tex-Mex. I've been, yeah, I've been, my uncle, like I said, I have family lives in Texas and Austin, Sugarland, Houston area. I've been all over. So cool. actually, I actually used to, to preach quite a bit in Texas when I was a missionary. So we would go from Victoria all the way up through Crosby and, you know, uh, Trinity, Texas, and some of those small towns around Dallas and places like that. So yeah, I love Texas, man. Great place. I love Friday Night Lights. That's, that's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is so classic. Dylan. Yeah, like, mm -hmm. everything about that show is actual real. What a, what a yeah, great so Texas it. name, Dylan. That's yeah. Dylan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about important things. You guys are both in ministry. Yeah. Uh, as we mentioned, Aaron's a worship pastor. Jamie, you are a speaker and an author. How did you guys come to to that place in life? Well, I guess our, you know, we've been married for 18 years, 19 years, <laughs> 19 years. All year, Aaron has said 18. And every time he says, I'm like, one more, babe, one more. Dude, we need, do we need Alexa to edit that out? We can fix that. <laughs> no, let's just keep it real. Let's keep All it right. 19 years. And we, our marriage is always built on um, being like for each other and supporting each other in like our unique kind of callings. And so Honestly, today, even though our jobs look very different and, um, you know, platform looks different than it did 19 years ago, but it's, it's been the same. The same value has been, Jamie, God's uniquely gifted and wired you to do ministry. God's uniquely wired me to do ministry. How do we do it together, but then also have like our unique things. So it's not any different than it is, than it was when we first got married. It's the exact yeah. same kind of principle. And that's been really cool. I think that's the kind of thing that has kept us going. Um, I never imagined myself being a pastor. I didn't come to know Jesus until my freshman year of college. And so wow. I really stumbled into ministry um, and just fell in love with Jesus, fell in love with people, fell in love with music um, and wanted to use, you know, whatever was in front of me uh, to help people find Jesus. Like I found him because he changed my life. And um, yeah, but I never thought I would end up being a pastor. And so now being here at the Austin Stone for 12 years, um, even though we're doing two different types of ministry, we're, we're still, we're still locked in and still together. Um, yeah. Jamie stumbled into podcasting in a weird way too. Yeah. I very much stumbled into this. Um, when Aaron and I got married, um, he was, um, working at a church. And so we did ministry together that way. And then when we had children, I had the, you know, the opportunity and the privilege to stay home. So I stayed home with our kids. And so me today, what I'm doing, podcasting, writing books, speaking was never anywhere in my radar. And so God kind of just shifted all kinds of plans here at the Ivy house to get me here. But I think the thing that is interesting about both of us, even though Aaron works inside the church, um, as a pastor and I do ministry outside of the, the local church, I'm a huge fan of the local church. It's just where God has put me. Um, we still have the exact same mission. And I think that's what has sustained us through working um in different spheres of ministry is that our mission has never changed and the mission is to point people to jesus and so if we if i was a banker a teacher a realtor fill in the blank our mission would never change and so i think yeah. that's been the foundation for us doing what we're doing yeah that's such a good point i think um i'm in the middle of writing uh, a dissertation yay me right so 
I've been up since 3 a.m. writing, but one of the key points uh, of my dissertation is this idea about common mission, about being one body and how that advances the cause of the kingdom. And I think, you know, one of the key aspects of what you just said was, you know, the mission has never changed, even though the methodology or the function of how you do that mission may change. And I think we, especially with young leaders, uh, they do themselves a bit of a disservice by thinking very early on, I have to be this, or I've got to follow this track That's right. in order to fulfill the mission that God has given me to do. And I think we need to approach God with an open handedness that says, here I am Lord with what I have use me. Right. Yeah, and so right. I think as we kind of help young, young leaders, young adults sort of step into that, what are some ways that you guys have found that, that God is, has taught you or has provided for you mentors that have kind of helped you navigate some of those different channels through which, which you keep the same mission, but it has a different expression. Yeah. We, Jamie and I have never had um, any sort of formal mentors uh, in our life. Um, but we have had in every season uh, people step into our life that we really respect and admire. Yeah. That might be 10 years down the road from where we're currently at. We've always had families like that in our life. And that's been such a huge blessing. Um, be, and, and I think it's, it's something that you can ask God to provide for you. I mean, if, if God truly does want us to stay on mission and he wants our marriages to be vibrant and he wants our own love for him to be vibrant and we ask him, Hey, would you bring some people into our lives to help us? I think he will. He just really blesses that and mm -hmm. likes that. And so like, you know, I think an example with parenting now for teenagers, we have another couple that's about 10 years ahead of us that have already launched most of their kids into the world. And man, they are such a source of wisdom and encouragement uh, to us. We see the way they've done family and we're like, we want to do it like that. They're yeah. still married. They're still in love with each other. Their kids uh, are just crushing it right now. And it's not because they're perfect parents. Actually, the more we've gotten to know them, we see the flaws in their parenting. We see the flaws in, in their, um, in, you know, in their own kind of like world and what they do, but we see them chasing after Jesus and being on mission. Yeah. And that has helped Jamie and I immensely. And now what's weird is we see ourselves being that to people that are about 10 years, 20 years sometimes behind yeah. us. And that is such a thrill right now in our life. We are primarily around 20 to 29 year olds. That's who's always in our house. Yeah. Those are the people that I'm mentoring and developing. It's just God's really put that on our, on, on our heart right now and given us the opportunity to do that. And we love it. Even though a lot of times we're like, oh, we're the old people now. We're the 40 year olds, yeah. uh, but we're owning it and we love it. We're definitely yeah. the old people. I think too, sometimes when I look at both of our careers in ministry is that like Aaron said, we came to the awesome stone 12 years ago. Um, and so we were third, we were 30. Um, and Aaron's job didn't look anything like it looks now when we first got here. I didn't release my first podcast. I was 36. And so there's this idea too of, you know, in your twenties and you're thinking, okay, if I could just be like this 40 year old that I see right. and to remember that that 40 year old lived open-handed for 14 years before they even got there. And they just followed the next thing that God had in front of them. And then eventually they're where they are now, but it, it, it doesn't always look like that from the beginning. Right. Yeah. That's good. Jeff and I were talking yesterday. Um, uh, I don't know if you know who Chris Renzema is. He's an, he's an artist. Uh, he oh, sings yeah. a lot of great, great songs, yeah. but he has a song that, that we were talking about yesterday called let the ground rest. And it's just a powerful message about, about letting God, you know, kind of 
till the soil, nurture the soil, like, like it's his timing, his plan. And, and we get so anxious sometimes we get, we get so caught up in, in making our season happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but it's really, it's really God's timing, God's plan and just trusting him through that process. So I, Man, I appreciate you guys so, kind of sharing that perspective. Yeah, that's so true. And it's, it's shifted the way that we, what, that we do uh, mentor people and counsel um, people in their twenties. It's shifted that for us. You know, when I was growing up, it was like, Hey, you need to pick a major, you need to pick a career, you need to pick a job and just stick with that. And you know, I'm like, man, how does an 18 year old or a 20 year old pick a ministry or pick a career and then try to stick with that? Bro, I, I didn't even know who I was when I was 20. I know my 19 year old and he ain't picking nothing. You know yeah, right, right. I've been there. So, so it's really shifted for us of just going, you don't need to decide. God hasn't revealed it to you yet. And he might not until you're 30. What's most important is that you cultivate a heart of faithfulness to him. That yeah, you just right. fall madly in love with him and his word and you're open-handed, no agenda, just open-handed. And then watch God like breathe on that. And you will be shocked what he does with you right. over the what, next years. What's interesting. And I'd be curious to hear from you guys is sometimes what God calls us to is something that's been lying in us all along. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for, um, Aaron, and maybe for you, maybe was music a thing that, that you were into early on and maybe for Jamie was communicating always a piece of the puzzle. I think most people are surprised um, by my answer with that. Like I, I dabbled in music in, in high school, but I didn't really care about music. I wasn't good at it. I didn't pick up an acoustic guitar until after I met Jesus my freshman year. I didn't learn how to play the piano until then. I didn't write any songs until then. And so I was kind of a late, late bloomer to music. And the reason I wanted to learn music uh, is because that's how I met Jesus, was going to a conference called Passion for the very first time as an unbeliever. Yeah, and hearing yeah. these songs, God like met me through music, honestly. And so, yeah, I was a, I was a late bloomer. I did not see that coming at all. Um, that music would be something that God would use me for. Hmm. That's crazy. That's cool. You know, it's funny. We're recording a podcast right now. I host a podcast. Um, and when I was in college, there was no such thing as a podcast. Yeah. And so this whole idea of what you might be doing now with the way technology is and the way there's so much more development, you, if you're 20, your job at 40 might not even be in existence right now, which I think yeah. is so crazy. And so yeah. um, before we started our family, I was a teacher and a coach. And so I have always loved that aspect of pouring into someone's life like that and, and bringing out the best in someone. And so I see you know, that correlation a little bit with what I do now because I do get to encourage and build up and inspire and point people to Jesus with this ultimate goal in mind as the, to all of us to look more like Jesus at the end of our day. And so I feel like the teaching and the coaching might have played into that a little bit, but I was not into radio and television was not my major. And here we are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so cool because God can literally use any experience in our life for his glory. I mean, one of the things that I say often, and I'll be honest, I got it from somebody else, but he told me if I said it more than three times, it was mine. So God <laughs> never wastes a hurt, right? Uh, God never wastes uh, an opportunity for coaching or for teaching. All of those things are so applicable that we often overlook that, that God gives us these unique opportunities to grow in. And I, I just, right. so I appreciate you sharing that because I don't know that people would have ever assumed that you were a teacher or a coach before you were this 
what we call the holy trinity of podcasting, right? So that's <laughs> our self-proclaimed. That's know, our self-proclaimed. So I'll take it, it. Though. I'm now adding that to my podcast. bio, just so you know. So please do, please do. But the, you know, the first three times I have to get credit, then it's anybody else's. So this okay, got it, got it. But in the same regard, God didn't waste a moment in your life, Jamie, because you won a contest to be a country radio DJ. How did that happen? It's the craziest story. And I look back at that moment in my life and had zero clue at the time that that would transform my entire career, that it would change my life. Um, Literally just by taking that step of uh, sending in a 60 second demo tape. I was, like I said, stay at home mom. I remember where I was when I heard the announcement on the radio and they said, anyone can apply, anybody. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll apply. And all you need to do is send in a 60 second demo. And it was a contest. It was a voting contest. And I made Aaron help me record this demo, which I wish so badly I still had because I'm sure it is just the worst thing anyone could ever hear. (laughs) It must not have been that bad though, because I ended up winning. And so it was a contest and I made the top five and then the, the, uh, the leadership at the radio station, they picked me as the winner. And so I went from previous teacher, stay at home mom, never spoken into a microphone, stood on a stage, nothing to 6am live on a radio show. And I loved it so very much. It was just like, where has this been my whole life? This is my new career. I am, I loved it so very, very much. And, you know, our three of our kids joined our family through adoption and our last son had just been home about a year. And so in the midst of all that, it just got really challenging at home. Um, And the only thing that had changed was that mom now had a job. And so that was really a difficult thing for me because I felt like I found my dream job but now I felt like God was really asking me to step down from it, to mm. go back home to be with mm. my kids. I felt it was unfair. I wondered why he ever did this. Like, why would you make me, why would you even allow me to get this far if I'm going to have to pull out in four months? And so I stepped down uh, and it was the best decision. Uh, I would do it all over again today. And then, you know, that was in 2011 and I didn't start my show till 2014, but that's what sparked something inside of me to say, I really liked that. And I think I could do this. And so in 2014, started a podcast and here we are six and a half years later. Awesome. So, so I think we use language around here. It's stolen from a friend of mine called sweet spots. Um, And you seem to have found your sweet spot behind the microphone. Um, What was it that, that when you discovered that, and, and you seemed to lie dormant for a season from 2011, 2014, that brought you to the podcasting world to go, I feel most alive in this moment, and this is what God's given me to do, then to reimagine it. So tell us how you were able to reimagine the the sweet spot of life to use it for, for God. Yeah. You know, something, when I started that job, the guys I worked with were so incredibly kind to me. I mean, can you even imagine they're professionals? And their boss makes them bring in someone who's never done this before. I mean, I would be so mad. I mean, the morning show is like the hot spot. It's the big thing. And so here I am literally, they're having to work with someone who like on the first day, they're like, you need to stop breathing so hard into the microphone. So they were so kind to me, but in those four months, they told me over and over again, you're really good at this. Like, we can't believe you've never done this. You're really good at this. And so there was a part of me that was like, man, I like this. And these guys, they don't have to tell me this. Like they owe me nothing. Right. But They're encouraging me that I'm actually good at this. And so I fell in love with it and I felt it was something that I was good at. And then, like you said, it, it was dormant for a while. When I left that job, the thing that was hardest for me was I felt like in those four months, I discovered a voice that I had. Mm. 
And so then when God really asked me to lay that down, my biggest struggle was I felt like I lost that voice that I just found. But because God is so kind, he pressed me on that. And I realized that I didn't actually find a voice inside of me in those four months. Like it has always been there. And so that's what I think is really difficult for a lot of women to understand too, is I think if I have a microphone, if I have a platform, if I write a book, then I have a voice, then people will listen to me. And what I discovered when I laid down that job is the voice that I felt like I found, it was actually there all along. I mean, you know, I used to teach fifth grade Sunday school. I told you I was a teacher and a coach. Like I poured into my seventh grade volleyball team. So that voice that I felt so powerful in those four months, it just took on a different format in those four months, but it had always been there. And so that was a good thing for me to learn is that the voice that God's put inside of us, the giftings, the, the ways that he's going to use us, that looks different in so many different seasons. In those four months, it was on a country radio station here in Austin, Texas. And I got to be the Christian girl that everyone was listening to in the morning, you know? And then that turned into me pouring back into my family. And now I get to host my own show and say whatever I want because I'm in charge here. And that's the best thing about it. Um, but I, I learned that what God's put in us, it will come and go in different seasons and it doesn't make it less or more. My voice was not yeah. more at the radio station and my voice was not more right now in the happy hour, it's always had equal value. It just has a a wider audience now, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't lessen the value that it had when I was teaching fifth grade Sunday school. That's good. I want want to unpack something here because I think you're, again, you're really tapping into something that's deeper than probably what we have time on the show to actually unpack. That's why they're going to invite us to Austin. That's why they're going to invite us to Austin to eat Tex-Mex, but that's a different point. Um, You mentioned that you had felt like you had found your voice, especially as a woman. And I, and I, I want to applaud that because this is the larger point that I'm getting to research is indicating that social media usage is about 98 to 99% of high school seniors currently have some kind of social media platform. Here's the big, here's the big difference. Young women, ladies, girls are using social media to find their voice by exposing their bodies. They're they're They are much more readily to, to show nudity or uh, participate in some kind of pornographic, you know, even if it's soft core pornographic type action or activity or conversation, then what it seems like even the boys are now the boys are bigger consumers, but, but it seems like these young women who are trying to find their voice, who are getting views on TikTok, equal that or, or equate that to, to something that's inside of them. And so, if you could just for a second, you already have kind of a little bit, but just for a second, uh, for either dads of young go- girls or leaders of young girls or young girls who are listening, young adult females who are listening, can you just talk to them for a second about the quality of that voice, not just the, the quantity of that voice? Because it's not about getting views or exposure. It's about something that God has created inside of them. And I think this is, this is a major struggle for Generation Z as, as we approach as leaders, as we approach them, understanding this, this particular piece about, about girls, especially. I think it's because we applaud the wrong things. And so for example, um, if I, if I'm speaking about myself, um, that's not what I'm doing to get applause, but there's other things that I do 
and I will get an applause for. And so then I start to think, oh, that must be the best thing God wants me to use my voice for because people are so excited about it. So transfer that to teenage girls, young adult girls, and they're getting a lot of applause mm -hmm. for posting, showing those things. I mean, uh, three of our kids are on um, Instagram and we monitor their accounts and I follow a lot of their friends because I'm that mom. Like I'll follow right, your yeah. friends and I don't care what you say. Who cares? So I follow a lot of their friends that are girls at school. And when I see posts like you're describing, which um, are definitely not pornographic because it's on a social media site, but it's right. definitely inappropriate. And I do yeah. not want my son looking at it or my daughter. What I see most all the comments are mostly their peers, girls telling them how awesome they are, how amazing yeah. they are, how yeah. beautiful they are, all of these things. And so you can't discount how that makes you feel because that makes you feel good. Right. It makes you feel seen. It makes you feel heard. And so what that does, it, it just breeds. I need to keep doing this because this is the applause that I'm getting. And so I think even for people who are listening is to reevaluate, is that the applause that you want? That's a hard question. And that's a right. whole nother podcast because right. sometimes the answer is, well, I think I do. Maybe, I don't know. It feels yeah. good. And then as parents and leaders who are maybe leading that generation, um, it's a, we need to be applauding other things. And right. so mm -hmm. we need to be a generation who's applauding people, not just for their looks, not just for their talents, but for their character. Um, and so I think that is a responsibility that even I'm trying to do is how do I applaud people for character mm -hmm. instead of talent, accolades, looks, how do we look at character? And so that's what I think this online world has done to us is yeah. it's giving us the wrong applause. Yeah. yeah. Aaron, can you address this as a church leader? One of the things I think we're seeing here um, on campus and around, and, and we got some great, talented young adults on campus who lead worship, different spaces, um, but they go where the platform space is, like where the, there's a paycheck yeah. or there's notoriety. Can you speak to it from the artist side and from the church side that how do you, how do we help young adults get rooted and planted, especially in their gifts, somewhere to, to serve long-term and not, not chase the applause. Yeah. This is something that we think about and talk about a lot um, on our team because, you know, with our church staff, we have a, a model where development is like a huge part of what we do. It's not just like one part, but it's like, it's one of the main things that we do is developing young leaders in their twenties mm -hmm. um, to actually endure in being a Christian for the long haul and endure in ministry for the long haul. And one of the things that we focus in on is um, character over competence. That's a, a, a very like clear, direct value that we speak constantly. Uh, I'm mentoring a young man right now who's 22 and, you know, he had been applauded for a long time for his voice and for his ability, his musicality. Um, but when he got here, he was not applauded for any of that because great musicians are a dime a dozen. A lot of people can learn how to play the guitar or have a really great voice but what is a treasure what's rare in our culture is somebody who has godly character yeah who is humble who is meek who uh, serves generously those are the things that we highlight those are the things we applaud and so when you come and you are developed here for the first year you don't have any platform all you mm -hmm. do is serve you help That's set great. up you help tear down you help uh in the in the shadows in the backgrounds you're helping set up uh, a campus or a congregation you're just serving for one year so you've got you know potentially a man or a woman who is the best guitar player the best uh, singer in the city of austin that's sweeping up at the end of a service to start learning oh my best contribution to a local body of christ my best is service 
that's the way forward. And so, uh, and then when you start to bring in the elements of, okay, now you're ready to actually use whatever gifting God has given you. You're able to use that from the foundation of, oh, I'm going to use it to serve people. This is a gift God's given me, not for me, but for others to see Jesus through me. So it's something that we're really passionate about. And we've, we've seen it over and over and over and over again, actually be really fruitful for somebody to come in who thinks that they're awesome and realize, Oh, I I have a gift and I want to use that to serve the church. The church isn't meant to just uh, puff up my giftings. I I exist to help people find Jesus. Yeah. I think there's a couple things on there that, that, there's patience on both sides. Um, there's patience on the side of the one serving, but I think in leadership, and especially as we talk to leaders who are in smaller churches, yeah. they, they're so, they got somebody with talent and they want to immediately get them exposure and on right. stage to help right. the church for the right. church. Speak to the leader who has somebody gifted and talented that, that they need to wait on their season. How, how do you as a leader have patience with somebody like that without yeah. quickly pushing them into the spotlight? Yeah, man, I, I know that I'm a patient person. So I, I know some people are more patient than, than others. Patience isn't hard for me because I, I really see the long term in somebody yeah. and see like the kind of future person 10 years from now. And if that's not you, if you're not kind of wired to be patient with people, I think it's helpful to understand hey, I could set this person up to lead right now. And it might be best for me or for our church in this moment because we don't have a leader. So here's one. He might not be great yet. She might not be the best uh, with character and all that kind of stuff, but we really need a leader. That might be the best thing for you or for the church, but it would be the worst thing for that person that you are committing to develop and to serve. And so sometimes the best way to love and serve them is to slow down the pace. Yeah, There have good. been many examples where, we have developed somebody and then uh, in the middle of that development slowed the pace down dramatically because we saw something in the character that needed to be refined. Even if it's not like a major, you know, big sin pattern or something like that, but maybe it's just a little small seed of, of pride or arrogance or uh, being lazy. So we'll slow it down because it's the best thing for them. I think it's constantly looking at what you have, who's around you and going, okay, we want to help develop young leaders into great leaders but god's timing in that person's life is way more important than my timing um and you know uh sometimes it's better to go a couple months without that person leading um without a singer on a stage without a drummer uh, on a stage it's better for the for the person and for the church to slow down that pace and sometimes have some gaps in leadership uh, so that you can actually develop people better in a healthier yeah, way. That's a great that, that is such a countercultural leader, mm-hmm. leadership reality. I, again, I think you express it well. I mean, there, there are smaller churches who have less resource, who see somebody with talent and immediately want to plug them in. Guilty right. as charged, been there, done that, right, as a pastor. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but man, that is a countercultural reality, I yeah. think, towards not just in terms of music, but just think if we approached all young leaders that way, right? If you see someone who has the gift to teach, if you didn't give them the platform too soon, um, or if you see someone who has the gift to whatever, right? I mean, whatever that gift is, I mean, it's, it's giving them time to incubate in the presence and the power of God with mentors, with leaders, with shepherding kind of soul care sort of realities, right? And giving them a chance 
not only to flourish now, but to really flourish later. And that's, that's an important conversation. We, we, um, whenever I'm thinking about developing somebody, um, I like to think about it being a greenhouse. So we, we have, uh, the, the person that I'm mentoring right now for two years, he lives with us and he's a 22 year old and he is super talented. Um, but he's got a heart that just like really loves Jesus. And what we want this place to be while he's here. And when I say this place, I mean, the Austin stone, our house, uh, our dining room table. What we want it to be is a greenhouse where somebody can sit in it for two years and slowly grow so that when they do leave, they've actually got some deep roots. And if you're not like providing a greenhouse kind of environment when you're developing people, if it's just a microwave or it's just a, man, just go ahead and just do it, try, risk, fail, it's okay, yeah. uh, then, then you're really doing them a disservice when they leave. Mm -hmm. Somebody who leaves a greenhouse, man, they have some deep, deep roots and they're actually going to be able to flourish when they leave. That's, yeah. Yeah. That should be the aim as we're developing. The, the Gen X reference in mind comes to, to mind is Mr. Miyagi. Like, <laughs> wax on, wax off. Absolutely. The house. Daniel's got no idea why he's doing it. He's got no idea. Patience. Yeah. Patience. Yeah. That's right. I that's think, exactly. too, that's, like, healthy for your church in the long haul as well. Yeah. Like, if we have just this, like, vision where we just see right in the moment, it feels difficult. But then the long haul, because, you know, we weren't meant to handle the applause and the attention. And so throwing someone on a stage, small church, large church, it doesn't matter. That attention, that applause, that pressure, that's a difficult thing for people to carry. So if you just throw someone up there and then you, you think, oh, they're good. And so then they leave for 12 years. And then all of a sudden you see this major moral fa failure and go, what happened? And sometimes you can look back and be like, oh, he was or she was just thrown into leadership with no guidance and no help and no... Yeah greenhouse can i give a quick quick example just yeah, absolutely yeah for sure okay because I, I you know some of this sounds like super idealistic and it's like for right. real though like do you do that is that even possible does that work yeah. um and so just so you know that this isn't just something we're just we're preaching without living you know i have been here for 12 years and when we first got to the austin stone there was no worship ministry and uh the only worship leaders coming in were just contracted out right and so there, there wasn't like what you see now is not what it was then. And we decided to take the slow, long path in building culture and building up people. And so now when you look at it, there's a team of uh, our creative team is 37 people on staff that do everything from worship to story, uh, design, communication and production. Right. That's my people that I get to the privilege of leading. And almost all of those were at one time residents that were developed here internally that either I personally discipled or somebody from our team has discipled since then. And so it took 12 years of serving people, developing people, fostering a community where artists can really flourish and thrive. You can't get that overnight. You can't even get one person overnight or yeah. two people in a year. It's a slow, slow process. But if you're willing to kind of lean into the patience and the slowness of developing people, those people, those 35 people, men are stronger and sharper and more passionate and more creative than I am. Like they are leading out in ways that I can't lead in. They yeah. have giftings that I don't have. They have abilities I don't have. And so the whole ship rose just with some patience and slowness and intentionality in developing people. And I'm so proud of them. Yeah. Which, which is, yeah. I mean, and let's reflect back They're in Austin, Texas, which is like the Nashville of Texas. Like there's plenty of places, artists and, yeah. And musicians can go to find platform. Like there's no lack of that. So it's, it's really a, a, um, 
a great statement for those people willing to go through the process yeah. that know at the heart of Aaron and Austin Stone that in the long term, they're going to be more successful or see greater um, success or longevity in what they do by going through the process of being a servant first, Right. Uh, which I think is a huge statement. Jamie, you're, you're in a sort of a, a different culture of the instantaneous success because social media, you can blow up overnight. And I'm sure the question comes to you on your DMs or wherever, how do I grow my platform and, mm -hmm. and expand quickly? Because that seems to be the, the thing on social media. How are you taking sort of some of the same ideas and slowing people down on a platform that can grow instantaneously almost? Yeah, that's a good question because a lot of people will say, um, how do I get where you are? Whether that's Aaron Ivey leading worship or me, mm -hmm. your words, not mine, podcast, Trinity, Holy Great Rail. You're podcast. loving that, aren't you? <laughs> she will keep reminding me of this. Like, like I'm going to get t-shirts made with their faces on that's it. Maybe. You should. I love this. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll say like, how do I, I want to do that. And I always encourage and say, that's really great because when I started my podcast in 2014, I kid you not, there's no, there was no long-term plan for where I am today. Uh, I, I just called my friends on the phone and pushed record and put it out there. And I can't believe the success that God has granted it. But all that to say is I, I think a lot of times the bigger question for people wanting like that, that big success, all those followers is, I already alluded to this because this is something I see so much right now is it's not so much about the numbers. It's that they think they'll matter when they get to those numbers. Right. Yeah. And so I think the deeper question is what are you doing with the people you are influencing right now? And so I, I don't think that you're going to find anyone who's influencing 5,000 people on Instagram and that they want a hundred thousand people on Instagram, but they could care less about the five. They're not going to manage a hundred well either. And right, so yeah. my thing when I, people ask me that is what is your, what is your reasoning for wanting a larger platform? And, and you know, the good Christian answer would be, you know, so I can point more people to Jesus and that's great. My next question would be, what are you doing with the people that are, that you're influencing now? Yeah. And so I think that there has to be a mind, a mind shift of saying, a mindset shift of going, okay, it's not about the numbers. It's about how well am I going to influence the people I'm influencing now? And honestly, here's where we have to get. We have to get to a point where me personally, I'll use me an example. If not one more person ever listens to my podcast, am I still willing to influence the people that are listening right now? Yes. Mm -hmm. The answer should be yes. You know, like it has to be yes. If I'm committed to what I'm doing, if not one more person shows up at the Austin Stone, are we still going to create great worship environments? Yes. Yes. Thanks, Aaron, being in there. I thought it was rhetorical. Sorry, I didn't, didn't mean for the dramatic pause. It's like, and again, on the flip side, I understand growth and I understand it's, you will not hear me say like, I hope no one else listens to my show. Right. I want thousands of more people to right. listen to my show, but on the same breath, I have to be willing to say, if nobody else ever listens, I'm committed to who's listening right now. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's good. These are such great conversations about stewardship, about discipleship, about faithfulness, about with what God has, has yeah. given you. This is something, you know, Jeff and I are fairly new to the podcast world. I mean, uh, we just jumped in. We're really 33 episodes in. 33 maybe. episodes in last year we launched. But, but our number one kind of mantra has been stewardship of what God has given us and he'll take care of the rest. Right. So that's how we've been approaching it. And we've got 200 and what 
followers on Instagram or something. We're big we're time, and you know what I'm saying? We're, we're 260. 260. Right, but that's not the point. The point is, the point is, he is giving us incredible conversations with incredible leaders um, that we don't understand, like folks like yourself. But I think, I think because we're approaching it, we're going to steward these conversations well because, and I think Edison Bevere talked about this oh, when he was Edison. on the show. You know, he was talking about is influencing the person on your street enough, mm. right? Is that if if God calls you to just influence your cul-de-sac, yeah, are you yeah. okay with that? Right. right? I mean, it, it's about wrestling with this idea of, of value, which you've kind of talked about. Is there value in numbers? Sure. Yeah, I guess. But it's not identity in numbers. Mm. And so I think, you know, in, in your particular case, and we're talking about the instant success that that can happen. I think it's actually happening less. And in some of the consultations that we have, the algorithms are changing now to where you can't just build, you know, right. 50,000 followers in the course of a weekend, right? I mean, everything is changing so quickly. And so it really is about managing, stewarding, being faithful with those conversations, those things that God gives you to deal with and who God allows you to yeah. influence. Be faithful on that, yeah. right? Be faithful. I and I want to add this too, like you may see like, you know, Jamie Ivy with big podcasts and lots of followers on Instagram and, you know, Aaron Ivy, worship pastor, the Austin stone, but all of those things are amazing and they're great. But our most, I'll speak for both. If you're, if that's wrong, I'll speak, speak for, for both. Me. I'll speak for us as a couple, our most favorite ministry moments some oftentimes are not on a stage or behind a microphone right. and never yeah. on instagram and not, not seen on by anybody you know they're right. not seen by anybody That's like right. you don't see the conversations around our fire pit with with um young adults you know mm -hmm. you don't see the dinners that we have where we're counseling people through hard things and so it, it you have to keep it in perspective and i think the the viewers of watching people like us have to keep a lot of that in perspective like yeah. the the uh, platform that god has given us we do not take one moment of it lightly at all. Like it, right. it is, we want to steward it well, like you've said. Um, and that's great. And why he chose us, who knows? Um, we're not even that, we're just regular people. But what we want to also steward very well are the things that you two will never see or anyone that follows us online will right. never see. And right. so those moments are those honestly- are maybe even more important than yep. some of the things that we do publicly. Oh, I, I agree. I would agree. 100%. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the coffee conversation with some of the young adults we have and, and giving them guidance and names nobody else will ever know are right. some of my favorite moments. And I walk away feeling that, that like, this is what God built me for kind of sweet spot moments. So yeah. Yeah. We, we do want to talk about your family a little bit. You guys have a very unique family, a beautiful family. How did you guys come about to adopting three of your kids? Well, when we lived in, we lived outside of Nashville for five years and we had our first son, who's our only biological son. And we just were surrounded by people who were adopting. And so it is, we had never been around people who had adopted that we knew of. It wasn't something that we were familiar with. And God just kind of planted us right there in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And we were surrounded by people that were adopting. So that led to us adopting our first son domestically. He was actually born in Texas when we lived in Tennessee. Um, and so we, he gets to claim that he's a Texan from birth as well, right. which, you know, we think is important down <laughs> here. Important. Um, but then, you know, God just started opening more doors. I went on a trip to Haiti when our youngest son was one at the time and God opened my eyes for the first time to something I'd never experienced with the poverty level that I saw. And so then we just kept pursuing what was the next in front of us. Um, we, we never, ever, we didn't ever really even talk about having any more kids biologically. 
I, it, it's literally, I can only explain it by God because yeah. I have no idea why, except for that. And so that led us to adopt our two kids from Haiti. And so we've been a family of six, um, uh, since 2010. Man. So, so I got one like just off the cuff question because I told you at the beginning, my wife and I have five kids. When you grocery shop, do people look at you with that look? Like, <laughs> and like you want to go like, yes, I have this many kids. Like the cart's like yes. overflowing yes. and. Yeah. Yes. You want to tell them, hey, I'm not a part of a cult that is like, you know, hoarding groceries <laughs> in a in a shipping container in the desert, right? Like this is, I'm, you're going to use all this food this week and then you're going to see me next week and I'm going to have all this food again in. Yeah. Yeah. I next just, week, you might see me in two days. I just, I just look teenagers. at you like, I just look at you like you're the reason why I can't find toilet paper. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's, right. Right. That's exactly right. That's wrong, it's man. out of control around here. It's out of control. And they're, they're eating more too now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, let's, let's shift conversations then. I, I know we're, we're starting to, to get close to time here. We want to honor your time. But let's shift conversations a little bit then with your family um, on, on a topic that's probably uh, more sensitive, especially in our current culture and climate. Uh, your children do not look like you. They are, they are children who are, who are children of color. And, um, and so I'm sure that that probably raises questions for you, probably on the daily basis. And recently you got to sit down with Emmanuel Acho and talk about that a little bit. Um, so kind of walk us through what that conversation was like and why that show was, was so important for you to have. You know, it's interesting because a lot of people saw our family on that video and we were just honored that Emmanuel invited us to sit down with him for such wonderful work that he's doing. Um, but as you could probably imagine, this is a conversation that we've been having for, you know, 15 years now. This right. is not a new conversation for us by any means. It's not the, the first time our kids have had these conversations. And right. so it was really great for us to be able to have that conversation publicly. Um, but, you know, the thing about Austin is anything really goes. And so I don't, you said we probably have these conversations on the daily. I don't feel like that. Like, I often feel like I forget that oh, we look different and people, we, we feel right. it most when we travel, but outside of Texas, when yeah, we outside of Texas, we feel, it, we feel it more. Yeah. Like I'll give you an example of when we'll feel it tonight is our very first, when we're recording, this is our very first football game. So, um, you know, Friday night lights, we're heading to the field tonight and our two of our boys are new to the high school. They're freshmen this year. And so there will be a lot of parents who don't know we go together. And so right. it'll be a lot of, Oh, that's, Oh, Oh, okay. So there's that kind of moment that we get, but, uh, it was really great to see our kids. We were proud of them for those conversations they had on TV. Yeah. And we asked each one of them if they wanted to do it. We didn't, we didn't make them, we didn't assume we went to each one of them and said, Hey, Emmanuel, and they know who he is um wants to have us on the show we watched a couple episodes um and we gave it we gave it up to them like do you want to be a part of this and all of them said yes and we were so proud sitting on that couch watching them answer in in such like deep ways and like eloquent ways like both of us were like who are these kids <laughs> who are these adults sitting over there but i think it's because those exact same conversations happen at our dinner table yeah we ask yeah. those same questions to them what does it feel like to be a black kid at a predominantly white school in the country. Um, yeah. All those questions have become very normalized. And, and then, you know, they're asking us questions too. What do I do about this? My friends make me feel this way that why would, why do my friends ask me if they can call me the N word? Like those are questions that are happening in our house. And we're trying to foster that kind of family sort of thing where you can ask anything. Nothing's off, yeah. nothing's off limits. Yeah. 
And, and I loved it. I loved the episode. I loved your kids. Um, it would have been one thing for the two of you to be on there to talk as parents, but it yeah. was, it was incredibly courageous and, and, and insightful when your kids shared and shared from their perspective and um, amazing young kids. I just want to uh, yeah, thank you. celebrate that with you guys. Well, thank you. It's funny because Aaron and I have these conversations often. We have we do podcasts. We're talking about these things. Aaron's doing leadership at church. And so this is not a new conversation for us to have publicly. It was yeah. new for our kids to have that conversation publicly. Right. And so people have asked me, you know, how has it been for them afterwards? And I was like, well, they're just 15 year old kids going to school. So yeah. it's, there's, right. there's not, they're not thinking about the thinking fact about that it. they were on no. Emmanuel Osho's show every day, or even having people ask about it. But one of the things that I think was so great about it as well is this conversation can be such a difficult one right now, just in the climate of our country. And I think that there's something unique that God has given Aaron and I as an opportunity to speak into something um, from a personal way, although neither one of us are black. And so we will actually never understand what it feels like to be black. But as white people, we have a lot, we have a lot of proximity to what it is to be black in America with our children. And so he's given us opportunities to speak into that in a way that would maybe be more comfortable for some white people to listen to. Um, and that's a, you know, there's a lot more to that conversation of why that makes a white person more comfortable to listen to a white person uh, that we don't have to dissect. But I think we feel grateful for the opportunity to be able to speak yeah. into that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we certainly do appreciate kind of your uh, leadership that you guys are giving in that area because uh, your voice matters. And I think, I think, you know, as a part of the responsibility and the stewardship of our platforms, when God gives us these opportunities, we, we need to respond and respond well. And, and we believe that you guys have. And so, um, but man, what a courageous thing to share your family with the world in that way. And, uh, and, and thank you for being an example and a picture of not having it perfect, but, but at least having it, you know, in, in a way that is healthy and, and restorative and redemptive to, to the rest of the world. So, so yeah. thank you. Thank you much for that. Yeah. Thanks for well, Jimmy, we want to make sure we acknowledge this. You have a new book you just released. I'm going to give you the opportunity to speak about that. It's called you be you. Um, it's about being authentic and living in a world authentically. Um, what's kind of the core message of that book? The core message really is kind of, I spoke to it, alluded to it earlier about just kind of believing that God has a purpose for you and not wanting to live out someone else's purpose. A lot of women I see, and I assume men probably struggle with this in certain ways. I speak mostly to women. Um, a lot of women would look around at other women and see their, their platform, their gifts, their talents, their influence, their voice, their power, whatever they think they might see. And would begin to feel if I could just be more like her, mm -hmm. I would be useful. I would mm -hmm. be good. I would, God could use me. Um, and my message and hope for this book is for women to read this and go, uh, if I would just be me, like God has things in store for me, whether that is teaching fifth grade Sunday school or starting a podcast or going to work every day, you know, at the local bakery in my town, like whatever it is that God has put in front of you and that influence that he's given you because I believe every single person is an influencer. It doesn't matter how many Instagram followers you have that influence that he's given you. It matters. Uh, and it's worth chasing. So that's what the whole message of the book is. Awesome. That's incredible. That's great. I want to make mention too, that there's a brand new Austin stone album out, right, Aaron? That's right. Yeah. It's called within it came out, uh, this month in September and, um, yeah, you can find it anywhere you, in, anywhere you stream music. It's, it's, it's a good listen, it's man. so good. It's a good listen. I'm going to hit it up on the Spotify. There wow. you go. There's also Spotify shout out too. Oh, man, can I do that? Is that I don't, like, know, I don't even know if that's legal. Us, 
Is that is that it's like, legal. It's legal. Is that like copyright? Our, thing? According know. to Jamie Ivey, it's our podcast. We can say whatever we want. <laughs> whatever you want to do. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. Well, man, we've got, listen, we know we're out of time. We want to respect your guys' time, but we have one last question. We asked every guest on the show and both of you can answer this. If, if you feel like it, uh, we hope, we hope at least one of you answer this, but uh, a question that we ask every guest on the show is this, what is one lesson you learned in college that did not take place in the classroom? Okay. Jamie has uh, volunteered me to be the ambassador for this question. Love that. <laughs> Right. So we, we like got thrown into figuring out how to be married and both working and going to college at the same time. And I think one thing. Can I just preface saying it took us a long time to finish college. Seven years. So we were older. We were older college students. Seven years. We don't have a doctor. We were as well. It's yeah. okay. We took our time. Yeah, we took our time. But I think one thing uh, that we learned um, in our first year of marriage, being college students, that we could not have learned in a classroom, and honestly is still true today, it's formed even how we do life now, is we wanted our home to be a place where people could come and be seen and be safe, and a, a, a true place of hospitality. One of our most favorite ways of ministering to people, and honestly, like Jamie was talking about, some of the ways we minister to nobody ever sees, I think one of the best ways that we are trying to serve people and minister to people is by having them in our home, sitting at our dining room table, eating good food, having laughs, having good conversation, and actually having deep, meaningful um, relationships with people. Awesome. That's what our home, we learned how to do that. And we didn't have money. We didn't have nice furniture. We had a small apartment, but we opened up our home and our lives to people. And that was huge. That's catapulted our whole life awesome. to, to look the same. I love that answer. Awesome. How can we stay connected to you guys on socials or, or other platforms? I love the old Instagram. So I'm there at Jamie Ivy. And then uh, my webpage, jamieivy.com, has anything and everything you would ever want to know. Well, not anything and everything, but you can find me there. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram, um, Aaron Ivy ATX. And then all, uh, all music you can find um, under Austin Stone Worship anywhere you stream music. Awesome. And we will we will definitely be streaming the Austin Stone today. And as we always say here at the Leadership Drip, you have a seat at the table. Thanks, Thanks guys. The show, guys. Thank you, Thank guys. You guys. Hey friends, thanks for listening to this episode of The Leadership Drip. We loved having you at the table for this conversation. Would you do us a favor and comment, rate, subscribe, and share on your social media? That way we can get this content to other great leaders. And stay connected with us on Instagram at The Leadership Drip and on Twitter at Leadership Drip. And remember, you have a seat at the table.